That's a real 2017 Kokomo Friday, Heath Cummings. Kokomo Fridays are the best Fridays. Everything's wonderful as long as you're not a trade turner owner. Ah, man. Of course, we will start the show with that. And you're going to have to make some trades if you're the trade turner owner. And remember, sports trades are scary. One person can be replaced by another. Exchange for money. You're given away for a hypothetical future person. And once they leave your team, you can't like them anymore, even if you have their jersey, which you can't wear anymore, except at B-dubs. They won't judge, but others might. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports. And Scott White is in the house. He's making a ruckus, eventually getting to the microphone, throwing furniture around the room. Oh. We, we, Adam, I want you to hear the sacrifice I'm making to be here right this very moment. Ooh, okay. having, I thought he was going to say the sacrifice I'm making here to be here on time, and I was going to question that. I'm <laughs> going to be treating my left hand as if it's radioactive this entire show because I was driving to work. And I look down by my feet, and there's what looks like a leaf there. Uh-oh. So, you know, I don't want a leaf in my car. I pick it up to throw it out the door. I find it's not a leaf. It's a slimy orange peel from when I was standing next to the dumpster throwing out the trash. Oh, not uh, your orange peel. So my hand oh. is covered in slimy orange peel oh. from God knows where rubbing up against God knows what. And I'm just going to have to sit like that for the entire show. Well, I have good – that's Tara. That's disgusting. I have good news though. Now, I've said this before somewhat recently, but I, re- I reviewed the notes that I've put together. I know I'm going to bring my A game. If you guys bring your A game, this has the potential to be our best show ever. I've best truly believe show that. show ever. Well, yesterday was our best show ever, and the goal today is to be better. Absolutely. So let's get started with Trey Turner who broke his wrist – and if if Freddie Freeman comes back next week, it would be about seven weeks. If he comes back after the All-Star break, it would be about two months. And this could be worse. We don't really have a, a timetable. So first question, do you drop Trey Turner? Nope. Okay. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> it's a funny combination of words. Yeah, no. I don't drop Trey Turner I, because we don't have a timetable, right. first of all. And even if it is a head-to-head league where your playoffs start fairly early – uh, you know, somebody in your league is going to value him. It's, I, it's a non-displaced fracture. I, I doubt we're talking about surgery. He actually stayed in the game after the fracture to play defense. Uh, he, he probably will miss at least four weeks. I would guess closer to six, but it's, I, I, I don't know that we're talking two plus month absence. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, it was supposed that's, that's to be more optimistic. Yeah, it's pretty optimistic. It's supposed to be ten months for Freeman, and he's coming back a little bit earlier. So ten right. weeks. Yeah, uh, ten weeks. But but he had surgery, and you know I I can't say for sure that we won't hear Trey Turner's getting surgery at some point later today. But um, just based on the evidence I've we have so far, I would guess he doesn't. All right. So don't drop him. Now, second question: What the hell do we do if we're the Trey Turner owner? Heath, give me some uh, Trey Turner advice. Well, I like I agree one hundred percent that you don't drop him. You also have to look at this. I think going with the expectation that you're not going to be able to use Trey Turner anymore. Cause he may come back in six weeks and that would be great, but you need to prepare for the worst. And of course the worst of that is that the shortstop is awful. It's not deep and there he was doing almost everything that we had hoped he'd do over the last month. So your team is getting much worse. Yeah. Now, do, okay, I can give you names to add. Do you think it's smarter to try to trade for someone? I mean, I think the the first name that stands out to me is Jose Peraza at 72% and not because he can come anywhere close to Trey Turner's production, but maybe he can at least replace the one thing that Turner has consistently given us, which is steals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or not and, Perez. And leagues that where you don't necessarily have to um where you don't necessarily have to replace that one category. And look, Trey Turner, he had more than 30 steals, and I think there's only four players with more than 20 in baseball right now. So 
probably no one is going to help you nearly as much in that category as Trey Turner was anyway. So if you're just looking for all-around production, Franklin Barreto is still less than 50% owned. So is Ahmed Rosario, who we expect to be up soon, if not right now. Marcus Simeon, who was among the leaders at the position in home runs last year at 27. Um, I'm not so sure he wasn't the leader. I guess Machado would have had more. But um, he's on a rehab assignment. He should be back within the next week or so, and he's only about 30% owned. So Marcus Simeon is a good option. Does that mean that Franklin Barreto is going down, by the way? And Barreto's been pretty bad since homering in his first game. Uh, I think there's been two good games and three bad games. I don't know. Um I think it's there's most likely is. There's yeah. a chance he gets sent down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because... he's on the dropo meter today, Franklin Barreto. But, just, but the thing is, if know. he gets sent down, uh, if he gets sent down, you know, as soon as Jed Lowry gets traded, which will be before the end of July, he'll be back up. Okay. Um, all right. So Barreto, Rosario. Does it make sense to maybe try to trade for Eduardo Nunez if you need steals and hope he gets some? Yeah. 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 I think that makes sense. He's, he could come at a discount since he's on the DL. Uh, Jonathan VR could, I mean, it doesn't help that he homered twice yesterday, <laughs> but he could come at a discount. Maybe I, I heard some leagues where he'd have been, been dropped already, and that would be a great choice. Obviously not as high probability as Trey Turner, but capable in theory of providing about the same production. Um, and, uh, you know, Manny Machado, I, I got a lot of tweets last night about, uh, should I make this trade that somebody's offering me for Manny Machado? And normally they were having to give up a pretty good player, but given that I think we all still have a great deal of confidence in, in Manny Machado turning things around and performing like a first-rounder still, it's not it's not a wild idea. And if you don't even have to give up a first-round caliber hitter for him, it's, it's an even better idea. Sure. Yeah, Machado was one of Chris's by-low candidates, or was it yours, Heath? I'm sorry. It was Chris's. Uh, it was Chris's, I think, but, but we all yeah. agree. We're all there, and, you know, steals or no steals. And, and you might want to overpay at this point if you're the trade turner owner. It's so hard to replace shortstop. You overpay for Manny Machado if you have to. I mean, hopefully you don't have to because he's been so bad. But just one other guy that I want to mention here is uh, Angelton Simmons, who you can't buy low on. But if you do, you believe in Angelton Simmons, and especially if you need the steals. And would you then consider, you know, buying high on Angelton Simmons? Because it's quite possible that his owner doesn't really believe in Simmons. I I think Scott's probably going to believe more in Simmons than I do. I think he's definitely made a leap from someone that was unplayable in fantasy to someone that's more of a replacement level shortstop. But I'm probably not going to buy high on a guy that I think is a replacement level shortstop. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you'd be giving up. If you'd be giving up, you know, a player who you're on the fence about just not dropping. I mean, the thing about Angelton Simmons is because he was, he recently entered the mixed league discussion, it, it seems plausible that he's someone you could atta- uh, uh, obtain in a trade because, you know, obviously if you're trading for a shortstop, if somebody only has one shortstop, they're probably not giving up their shortstop, you know? So it would have to be a secondary shortstop for somebody, and Simmons seems like he could fall into that category. Mm-hmm. I've got one more name, and uh, he was, was so bad for so long that his season-long numbers still look atrocious. But Jose Reyes, over the last basically two weeks— has about a 900 OPS, 872 OPS. He's not stealing bases, but he's at least started hitting again, and he's like 25% owned. As, as Dribble Cabrera's, I, I think, been even a little hotter, and uh, he had a great second half last year. Uh, or, Orlando Arcia's red hot right now. He's batting almost 280 all of a sudden. Wow. So there's, you know, they're not Trey Turner, uh, but there are options you don't just have to mail it in the nice thing about replacement level being so low at shortstop is there's a lot of guys that can be not very good like a lot of your opponents shortstops what what do you No, i'm saying it's it's pretty hard to find a replacement level maybe first baseman because that production for a top 12 first baseman is really really good top 12 shortstops are kind of bad anyway Okay. Well, uh, yeah, so I just want to wrap it up with this. Trey Turner has stolen 22 bases in the month of June. That is insane. There's only one player out there that might be available in the shallowest of leagues that could get you Trey Turner's types of steals. That would be Starling Marte. He is 79% owned. And, uh, yeah, 10-team leagues, maybe you take a look and see if Marte is available. And he's not a shortstop, but at least you get some stolen bases. 
Chris Bryant's ankle feels better, but he may miss the weekend series. Actually, I guess Jose Peraza could get you a lot of steals too. He's like seventy-one yeah. percent on, and, and he'd said him. Um, the only the only concern I have about Peraza, and I just want to say this real quick, it came out yesterday that they said they are still they still want to get Scooter Jeanette regular playing time, even when Zach Cozart comes back. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that means is out, but Peraza would be the most likely candidate. All right, Chris Bryant might still end up on the DL for Bryant, but it looks like it's not a long-term thing, at least with his ankle. Mike Trout took batting practice. Bud Norris, potential closer, could be back this weekend. Robinson Chirinos was in the lineup for a second straight game, and this is a guy who's like 10% owned. He's been a lot better than Jonathan Lucroy, and we'll keep an eye on that. And Danny Salazar is going to make a rehab start this weekend, and he's supposed to return as a starting pitcher. What is your level of interest in Daniel Salazar? He's right there around top 60 for me at starting pitcher. And, you know, if if he has a brilliant start first time back, he'll probably move right into the top 40. So it's I I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to I want to want him to be unowned in any of my leagues right now. Right. He should he should be owned. All right. Take a look for Danny Salazar. He's actually 77 percent owned, which was a little higher than I thought. All right, let's have some fun. Here's some fun stats. And coming up on the show, we'll, of course, talk about the two-star pitchers for Fantasy Week 14. We are going to make a bold prediction about relief pitchers. We'll talk about the double dongs from yesterday. Denelson Lamette was great. He's only 37% owned. We have an update on the Humidor, a very important update on the Humidor. Actually, are you guys even aware of the Humidor update? Yes, we are, and I had the perfect GIF to respond to it, and then the GIF doesn't exist on Twitter, and I didn't have the time to go make it, so I was disappointed. Okay, well, spoiler alert, there will be no humidor this year in Arizona, but that's coming up a little bit later. Some fun stats. Andrew Miller leads all pitchers in strikeouts per nine with a minimum of 40 innings pitched. Andrew Miller, best K per nine, minimum of 40 innings. Who's second? Who is second? Yes, strikeouts I'm per nine. I'm more interested in who has, like, 37 innings pitched that we you ch- that was the reason we chose a 40-inning cutoff. 40 is awfully high for a reliever at this point, so it's not going to be like Kimbrell. It's a starter. Something. It's oh. a starter who has been a reliever. Brad Peacock. Brad yeah. Peacock. Okay, I found the guys that have all been better on a caper nine basis but have like two innings less than him. You want a fun stat? Can I give you a fun stat while we're playing the fun stat game? Um, I'll allow it. Okay, so I happened to open up Kenley Jansen's player page this morning because, you know, there's been a lot of talk of Craig Kimbrell, Greg Holland. I haven't heard a lot about Kenley Jansen this year. Kenley Jansen this year has 53 strikeouts to one walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A 53-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. <laughs> it's, it's very that good. unbelievable. His yeah. his whip is .53. Oh, he's he's the man, no doubt. But he is the man. Brad Peacock is, is also— back to the subject. Uh, I don't know what you do with this guy. He doesn't give you quality starts. He walks everybody, but he's so hard to hit. He's really good. I mean, well, when he's when he's throwing strikes. Uh, he's 83% owned, Brad Peacock. Is he worth it with uh, yeah. with the lack of innings? Yeah, yeah I mean, he should, be, he should be. I'm not sure that I'm really that moved to start him on a typical one-start week, mm-hmm. but— he hasn't really burned you yet, and, and there's the hope that, you know, he, he finds a little more consistency with the strikes. Six yeah. walks yesterday and three of four. I think he has four or more. Can we go back to your Andrew Miller stat real quick? Yeah, sure. Just bouncing all around. If you drop it to 38.2 innings instead of 40 innings, the leader's Corey Knable. Yeah, but I don't care about relievers. I'm talking about starters here. Well, then why did you choose 40 innings? Because he, he has only, he's only thrown like 40-something innings. Oh, I had Brad to lower Peacock. the threshold. He's not a qualifier, Brad Peacock. You had to, okay. All right. Does that make sense? Heath is, Heath is more interested in your uh, methodology than the actual. If you move it up to 50 innings, it's Danny Salazar still. Okay, but Peacock is better <laughs> than Salazar. You're making, Salazar. You're making sure this is not the best show we ever did. Seriously. No, this has been awesome. People are loving it. Salazar, 49 people. and two-thirds innings. And as a starter, he has 51 strikeouts and 33 and a third. All right. Anyway, anyway. Uh, next stat. Of all qualified pitchers, Irvin Santana has the lowest BABIP at 208. Guess who's second? The second lowest BABIP against. I guess I would have to guess Jason Vargas. Is someone with a career 129 whip who currently has a 117 whip and pitched yesterday? Ah, pitched yesterday, eh? He pitched really well yesterday. It is Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I don't know if I could buy it with Lance Lynn. First of all, his previous two starts were terrible, but mm-hmm. really good one yesterday. But yeah, he's always been like a 1.3 whip guy. It's 1.17. Well, normally? I don't know what it is normally, but it's super low I'm, this year. Yeah. I mean, here's Lance Lynn. Uh, I mean, even with those, those two bad starts already in the bag, back to back seven run outings, his ERA is still a respectable 390, but his FIP is like 540. But that's within two home runs per nine, basically, when normally he's an above-average home run pitcher in, in terms of preventing home runs. I, I feel like I feel like that home run rate is a little too high to believe, and maybe we shouldn't go crazy burying Lance Lynn here. I mean, I don't think he's a front-line starter in fantasy or anything. I think... The two seven run outings were a necessary correction, but I don't think we should genuinely be scared of him having a five ERA at season's end. No, he's been both lucky with the BABIP and unlucky with the home runs. He's got a 5.40 FIP. He's got a 4.55 XFIP. Lance Lynn is a number four starter, in my opinion. And I, I expect he's going to go six or seven innings and have a just right out of quality start most times. So to answer the question I put out there, his career BABIP is 300, so he's not typically a low Pretty BABIP normal. guy. Yeah, he's he's had good luck there. Okay, that's Lance Lynn. And next stat, Evan L- – oh, would you rather have Lance Lynn or Brad Peacock, by the way? Lynn. Lance Lynn. Lynn. Maybe if it's a shallow league, though, where, you know, a middle-of-the-road pitcher like Lynn doesn't have as much value, then maybe I shoot for the upside. Peacock. Next fun stat. Evan Longoria entered – well, no, actually, I updated it. So now after Thursday's games, Longoria is the number seven. He's the number seven third baseman in points leagues, but he's number 15 in Roto, Evan Longoria. If you take his production and put him at first base, he'd be number 15 in points, number 26 in Roto, instead of seventh in points and 15th in Roto at third base. So bottom line – Last year, it looked like third base was taking over first base, like as the premier position. Not this year. Third base sucks this year. First base is so much better. <laughs> I, I totally missed the Lance Lynn or the uh, Evan Longoria hot streak. It's not even that great. It's just like it, it's okay. I'll tell you what it is. But how about that? Just how much better first base has been than third oh yeah base? yeah. Definitely. I mean, first base. And probably outfield. There's, they're really in a different class in terms of depth, as they usually are. And I don't know why we assumed it'd be different coming into the year. Uh, these things correct themselves, it seems like. But I don't think, like, third base is bad. There's still a lot of usable third basemen. Like, Mike Moustakis, who's among the home run leaders. Um, well, you know, I've, I've had trouble moving him into my top 12 at the position. A, a lot of, a lot of it is that Evan Longoria has done a remarkable job of playing games. He's got 339 plate appearances, and he's outscored Mike Moustakas by five fantasy points when Moustakas has 290. And also, Which is fine. I mean, I don't think I have Longoria in my top 12 either. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, Machado's been bad. Donaldson's been hurt. So that hurts. Beltre's been hurt. Beltre's been hurt. Bregman. Seager's he's outside my top 12. He's probably behind those two, but. Uh, you know, I'm Carl not, I'm not without faith for him. I'm, I'm not without faith for Todd Frazier either. I tried to, uh, I, I tried to bury him yesterday in my enough is enough column, and uh, I couldn't fit him in. I still have a lot of faith in Frazier. Wow, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Why? I think like to be top twenty. I think he's just having ridiculously bad luck, and I, I mean, I, I looked at like the con, how hard he's making contact and stuff. And yeah, the hard contact percentage is down, but it's about the same as last year. It's not, it, it's not like there's this exaggerated change in the quality of contact like we've seen with Jonathan Lucroy, like we've seen with Troy Tulowitzki. Um, I think there are better times ahead for Frazier. Okay. And finally, fun stat, Homer Bailey has allowed three home runs in four and two-thirds this season. That stat is officially the most closely associated with any first name in Major League Baseball. It's time to tell you about SeatGeek. There are a lot of events to go to this summer, and like Tom Petty's on tour. That's pretty cool. Baseball's happening. So go to a concert, go to a game, and use SeatGeek to get there and save $20 with our promo code FANTASY. 
SeatGeek takes a process that used to be a real pain and makes it easy and quick. So buying tickets online, it can be complicated. SeatGeek's a better way. You can buy and sell tickets on SeatGeek in just two taps. I have the app on my phone. I use it all the time. I actually just used it last night to look for Tom Petty tickets. And it's absolutely the first place I go to. It's the easiest way to find tickets because SeatGeek searches multiple sites, does the price comparison for you, and finds you the best deals. So you're saving time and money. Our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY today. That's promo code FANTASY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Guys, uh, give me some standouts. Actually, let me give you two. A couple of outfielders who are hitting well since being uh, coming off the DL or being called back up. Randall Gritchick, 30% owned. He's 7 for 22 with three home runs in five games, two walks and six strikeouts. Randall Gritchick. Jack Peterson, 49% owned. He said his AAA hitting coach found something in his swing that has helped him out. And in 17 games since coming off the DL, Jack Peterson is hitting 291. With a 426 on base, a 709 slugging percentage. He has six home runs, 11 walks, and 13 strikeouts in 17 games. Now, he has sat against two of the three left-handed starters they've faced, but not a lot of lefties So in that 17-game stretch. The most recent one when he was, you know, once they saw how he was hitting was the one he started against. Okay, so Jack Peterson, 49% owned. Randall Gritchick, 30% owned. Are these guys uh, about to be owned in a lot more leagues? I... With both of these guys and the types of players they are, I I need longer to buy into hot streaks being more than just hot streaks because they their profile is going to be streakier. Probably, but I do think Peterson's in a different class from Gritchick. If I had some assurance he would play more consistently against left-handers, uh, I think I'd be picking him up almost everywhere. Uh, the big difference is that Gritchick hardly walks at all, and in these 17 games since coming off the DEL— Peterson has 11 walks. He has a, gosh, he has a 426 OBP, uh, like a nearly 1200 OPS since coming off the DL. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, this is a high pedigree player who I know Chris Towers and I loved coming into the year. I don't know if Heath was on board with that too. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't dislike Chuck Peterson at all. I just don't know that there's any reason at this point to expect him to be more than what he's been for his first 1,200 plate appearances. Yeah, you would have to buy the explanation that when he was down at AAA, his hitting coach found something in his swing that he wanted that uh, that was missing or that had previously been there. Now, of course, his well, previous production wasn't all that good. But uh, Certainly I'd go for Peterson over somebody like Gritchick, over somebody like Curtis Granderson, who I guess we talked about a couple right. of days ago. Um, if you told me Gritchick was playing every day the rest of the year, I might take Gritchick over Peterson, but it's really close. Peterson gets on base more, Gritchick has more power. The thing about Jock Peterson is he had an 847 OPS last year. He just didn't have that many at-bats because he just sat against lefties. So if he can just hit lefties a little bit better then, you know, a guy that's 49% owned might be someone you want to take a shot on. Can we uh, can we just dismiss what Abaldo Jimenez did yesterday, eight scoreless with eight strikeouts? Entirely. Okay. <laughs> Are there any other major standouts we have to talk about before we get into the double dongers? It's like the standouts were the double dongers. Then let's do it. All right. Carlos Correa, no steals this year, which is a little disappointing. He stole 13 last year. He stole 14 in only 99 games the year before. But now Correa is batting 309 with 16 home runs, and he is the number one shortstop in points, number three in Roto. Joey Votto hit his uh, 22nd and 23rd home runs. He is the number three hitter in fantasy behind Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge in both points and Roto. So Correa and Votto, I don't know if there's much you want to say about them. Of course, the more interesting one is Jonathan Villar, who homered off Homer Bailey and Kevin Shackelford in a blowout. Yeah. Um, the rusty Shackelford. I don't the thing him. I would say about Correa is it's probably just a good reminder that when guys do go through that, and it's tough to call his a sophomore slump because he still had an eight, OPS over 800, but guys do go through that sophomore slump. They often bounce back and progress even from where they were their rookie year, and it looks like exactly what Correa is doing. And uh, does anybody have him now as the number one shortstop, even over Manny Machado? I still have Machado number one. Now, Me if, too. If, if this continues for the rest of the season and Machado ends the year with an OPS over 900, or Correa does and Machado's just good, 
it's going to be hard not to have Correa number one next year. Scott, tell me what you think about Jonathan VR with two home runs yesterday in the leadoff spot. Eric Sogard sat, uh, but this was the first game out of three since coming off the DL that Jonathan VR started. Yeah, and I suspect he'll be in the lineup again tonight after hitting two home runs. I would, I would hope so. Uh, it's, it definitely puts him, shouldn't say definitely, in my mind, I would guess it puts him ahead again of Sogard in the pecking order here. What, what, one game? I don't know if one game can do that. Like, well, it wasn't so clear he was behind Sogard, was it? Yeah, I, th- I think it was based yeah. on before going on the DL. Except he started two or three games since coming off the DL. No, he started one of three games since coming off the oh, DL. Okay. I'm I'm almost positive. And, and there was a, there was actually a quote from the Brewers saying that Sogard was going to be the regular second baseman. Okay. I, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm definitely not looking to drop VR today if I was hedging there yesterday. I I'm okay, if, especially in a roto league. I think if VR was dropped, you should go add him, and. If you just lost Trey Turner and you're in a points league, you should go at him. He has much more upside than Eric Sogard. The team does not seem very thrilled with him, and he's had an, a disgustingly bad year. Yeah, but he does have some steals. Like he'll he'll be a little better in fantasy, and in, yeah, he's only started one of three games coming off the DL. He'll be a little better in fantasy because he'll steal some bases than he will be in real life, but. Um, I'll tell you what this, like, I, I've learned you don't overreact to two homer games. That they happen. But I'll tell you just practically what this has done for me as a VR owner in one league. I have Franklin Barreto starting at the moment. It, and I have VR on my DL. If I had to make the choice today, I would drop Barreto for VR after the two homer game. And maybe the day before, maybe yesterday I would have changed. Maybe that would have been different. But, no, I agree with you. Yeah. So, uh, all right, guys, I want to make a bold prediction about relief pitchers. And here it is. So I can just do whatever I want, I guess. There will be a major trade involving a closer before we get back for our next, you know, live show on Wednesday. Remember, we're doing a pre-recorded show that's going to air Monday. Then we're off on Tuesday. On Wednesday, especially after what happened with Blake Trinan, on Wednesday we come back, there will have been a closer trade. It will shake up fantasy. Give me a prediction on who it's going to be. Well, I think you're wrong. I'm not wrong. This is I, I hope you're wrong because I really this. don't want to have to stop what I'm doing and write about it. <laughs> I'll write about <laughs> it. I'll, I'll step in. Yeah, right. No, I, I, hey. think, I think you're one week too early. The, and the problem for the Nationals is everyone knows how desperate they are for a closer right now. And teams that have closers that they're going to trade have no urgency at all because they have another month to get the best deal for them. So I, I think it's difficult – for a team like the Nationals to get that deal done right now, you need to wait until those teams start to get a little more urgency and don't want to get stuck with those guys. Like, what's the what's the hurry for the Braves to trade Jim Johnson? I'll tell you there's, who's going to get traded. None. I'll tell you who's going to get traded, and it won't be for a lot. It's just going to be a money dump. Mark Melanson's going back to the Nationals. I know he's on the DL, but he's supposed to come off like right after the All Star break. I don't know that they're going to trade for. Well, that's not going to happen July this week. Something's gonna happen. I, I am so sure about this. But wait, are we counting like the K Rod deal as something no, happening? No. But broad, you know, broader question. <laughs> now is not a bad time to stash some potential closers in waiting. So give me some names that you would stash. Tommy Conley. Uh, I think Kyle Bearclaw is up there after the reports the other day that the Marlins are shopping both AJ Ramos and David Phelps. Uh, I'm actually not, I mean, I guess you could stash a Rodas Vizcaino. I'm not confident the Braves are going to trade Jim Johnson. They signed him to a two-year deal this offseason, so he's under uh, contract next year as well. He'll be traded over the weekend. Going to be better. (laughs) I I mean, maybe. We can't rule it out. But I'm not, like, I think David Robertson is absolutely getting traded. I think Addison Reed probably has a better chance of getting traded than Jim Johnson. So who would be next up for the Mets? I don't even know off the top of my head. Um, Matt Harvey. <laughs> Bartolo Colon. Uh, you know, Brad Hand gets traded. That wouldn't really change things closer-wise. Uh, I don't know. Is there anyone? Am I missing somebody obvious? Not that I can think of. Mm, yeah, that sounded pretty good. Just going to try to check who set up for the Mets yesterday. Um, 
Mm, dum, 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 dum. Who set up for the Mets yesterday? It was. Everybody can't wait. It was Josh Edgen. There's also Jerry uh, Blevins. He's a lefty, he's a lefty, though, right? Blevins is a lefty. Is Edgen's a lefty, too? I'm going to look up the Mets roster he is. page. Yeah. This is it's not going to be captivating. We're please, losing please momentum. Okay, best show ever oh. continues with uh, the best clothing ever. Ever one week from today is my rehearsal dinner. Very excited about that. Big occasion. Have to look my best. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I'll be the oh, best. I know. Who? Oh, I know. Oh yeah. Oh, you know. I'll be I the know. best dressed person. I'll be wearing my Indochino suit. Uh, what are you guys waiting for? Amazing deal. Fifty percent off a suit that's typically almost eight hundred bucks. Indochino.com. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O dot com. Use the code FBT at checkout. That's FBT for 50% off and free shipping. Incredible deal. And an incredible suit. It's going to fit you so much nicer, so much better than your other suits. It will fit you perfectly. You'll be excited to wear your Indochino suit just like I am. That's the truth. I really love it. And more importantly, my fiancé loves it. you got to make your lady happy. So go to Indochino.com. Get any premium Indochino suit for three seventy nine. That's a really is a, um, and a a great offer for a suit like this at Indochino.com with FBT at checkout. Fifty percent off, free shipping. Indochino.com promo code FBT for any premium suit for three seventy nine with free shipping. All right, time for a new segment. It's called Scott and Heath aren't gonna like this, especially oh. Scott. Oh, uh, okay. And, and here it is. <laughs> Here it that is. Was, wow. <laughs> Seth Lugo and Jose Urena are owned in more leagues than Denelson Lamette. Oh. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't like that. That's so stupid. <laughs> Denelson Lamette has had four terrific starts and two terrible ones, and the ERA's evened out to about five. But, man, I, he was dominant yesterday. He, Yeah. I and mean, that wasn't even the 12-strikeout game he had. The reason I think this is dumb is because Denelson Lamette had a home start against the Braves, so he should have been higher owned than these guys. I'm not particularly. There's so much potential here, though. Th- there so is so much bat missing ability. His whip potential co- compared to that 5.35 ERA, his whip is like 1.17. So it's not like he's even had the control issues he did in the minors. No, the control's just, been great. He he. Well, the way Andy Green was described it, and I don't know that the data really backed him up. I looked at it, and that's not what I deduced from it. But Andy Green said he kind of fell in love with his changeup, those two bad starts, after, you know, it, it was praised so much in the first two. And that's not really his bed pit, best pitch. He's a fastball slider guy, and the changeup was just better than everybody expected. So he's gotten more back to fastball slider the last couple starts and dominated. I, I would, yeah. I guess I question a little bit the terrific starts for Nelson Lamette just because, like, his last two starts, he went six innings and gave up three earned runs. One of them, he had 12 Ks, so that was great. But I don't think, like, he's basically, this was his best start as a starting pitcher. It's the first one where he's gone six innings and given up less than three runs. I don't, okay. I mean, it in the 12 strikeout game against the Cubs, right? Um... Well, he had opening. eight strikeouts against the Cubs. He had 12 against the Brewers, where oh, he gave okay. up six runs, or three runs, and okay. six innings. Well, so, all right, we're talking I about mean, the Nelson Lamette. That's Chris Archer-like, you know? We're talking about Chris the Nelson Lamette usually a three-run per start kind of guy. Yeah, and and Lamette, so I actually don't think it's that crazy for Lugo to be owned in more leagues. We should give a little credit to Lugo. He's been. This was his first good star, right? No, no, he's he's been. We're grading steady. on a different scale than we're grading to Nelson Lamette's fantastic start Wait, for sure. Three quality starts all, out of there four. There were four quality starts out of six for Lamette, right? Uh, you can check on that. But three yes, quality but, starts out of four for for Seth Lugo. With high strikeouts, how is that? How is a quality Lugo's start? Lugo's had with three a high quality starts out of four. Lamette's had four out of six. You said this is Lugo's first good start, and you said Lamette's had four fantastic starts. Okay, they may have been technically quality starts for Lugo, but no He literally no gave up three out. runs over six innings no, and two of those four. No, listen, out. listen, hold on, guys. Lugo, 42% owned. Nelson, the Nelson Lamette, 37% owned. Lugo, you know, and you go back to what he did last year, steady pitcher doesn't get you strikeouts, but maybe won't kill you. Lamette, you can't take away the fact that he did have two starts where he gave up seven earned runs in both of them. So, I mean, I kind of get that. Urena, 51% owned. Has the best ERA of this group and four straight quality starts. I I feel like he'd probably be last for us, uh, Jose Arena. Yes, for sure. We agree on yeah, that. Yeah, very boring. 
but man. I feel like Lugo and Lamette are in like, very why similar are, Why are we great? Like, Lamette's a rookie. Why are we grading him so critically when Blake Snell gets pass after pass after pass? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Lamette is getting the strikeout potential we want to see. I'm, a, I'm not grading him critically. He's been fine. Okay. I'm grading the evaluation that he's this must-own pitcher and has had four fantastic starts when he's basically if, been Seth Lugo in three of those. If Blake Snell had done exactly what Lamette did in those six starts, we would be salivating all over Well, Blake him. Snell was a much higher prospect, and you generally tell me that I should trust the people grading the prospects. I mean, Lamette wasn't a bad prospect. All right, Lamette's on her own. Luis Castillo or Denelson Lamette, who would you rather have? I'd rather have Lamette. He's done Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably take Lamette. I think Lamette will be probably... Up, he should go up to 60 or 70% owned, and he'll be back around 40 again at some point in the near future. Yeah, he's only a one-star pitcher next week, and it's at Cleveland, so I don't know if you want to start him. He, more of a I'm stash for Lamette. And would you rather have Hyunjin Ryu or Denelson Lamette? Lamette. I don't have much use for Ryu. I, uh, I agree. Update on the Humidor. I put more like Humidork, but that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> Just the only pun I, like I can it. think of. Thank you. It Thank doesn't you. make sense, but it's... I like it. Arizona will not be using a humidor until next season, and that's great news, especially for Brandon Drury, who has a career home OPS of 917 and a career road OPS of 644. So that helps Brandon Drury. It helps everybody. Uh, it helps Jake Lamb. I don't, I no longer really want to sell high on Jake Lamb. Uh, it even helps Paul Goldschmidt, even though he doesn't need that much help, but he's better at home and has been throughout his career. So it's great. Now, does it mean that Robbie Ray, Chris called Robbie Ray a sell-high candidate yesterday. Uh, does this news change anything in your evaluation of Robbie Ray? Does this solidify what Chris said? Yeah, I, not really for me because he was basically just saying he would sell him for an ace. And I think we all agree with that. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm he's the closest thing to an ace without being an ace, so I'd, I'd be fine just holding on to him personally. Well, we have a lot more to get to. I want to get some prospects in there. Um, I wa- I'm trying to put together a list of players that we've been asked about a lot and, you know, a must-discuss list. So let's go to that. And this is two parts. This is a Jag Alert and a Dropometer. And they're fairly similar. But the Jag Alert is just, is this a Jag? And a Jag is a j- just a guy. Pretty replaceable player. Doesn't do anything special. Adam Jones. He is number 60 in points, number 55 in Roto. Um, and being hurt by being in what's been a pretty bad lineup. He's on pace for 81 RBIs and 86 runs, even with 30 homers. Actually, he's not really on pace for that. I think that would be his 162-game pace, but he's not going to play that many games. So anyway, Adam Jones, is he just a guy? Yes. He was in my Enough is Enough column yesterday. He's not... what On what's within his control, he's not doing anything outside of what he normally does. That there, there's no reason to think he's going to have some kind of correction here that causes him to take off. And I think he deserves a lot of the blame for the whole run and the low run in RBI totals. I mean, he's on pace for 14 doubles mm-hmm. after hitting 19 last year. So, you know, that hurts the RBIs. And he, uh, he doesn't walk at all. His on-base percentage is right around 300. And that's always been true for him. So he's... In this outfield environment, just he's just a guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm not dropping him in a five outfielder league. I'm probably still starting him, but in a three outfielder league, he's all but useless. Yep, that's Adam Jones. Okay, uh, and next guy, and I'm framing this just the guy segment as like, you don't have to drop these guys, but you can right. if there's somebody that you really want on waivers. Michael Brantley. Now the numbers I pulled on Brantley were before yesterday's game. He had a really good game yesterday. Uh, but really just not like he had five home runs and, uh, seven steals in 56 games entering yesterday. He doubled twice. He walked twice, I think yesterday, but I don't know. Brantley hasn't really been that good. He's 91% on. Is Michael Brantley just a guy? I don't think he's just a guy. I think he still has elite skills. Uh, the 9% walk rate, even 15% strikeout rate, which is higher than he's ever been is, is still really good. 371 on base is outstanding. The, difficulty is I, I feel like every time that he plays three games in a row he's gonna get hurt. Well I just I just feel like so many outfielders have passed him and you know five outfielder league he still must start. 
I would say leagues that points leagues that penalize a full point for strikeouts instead of the CBS standard half a point. He's basically a must start in those too. I'd be curious but what his not... fantasy points per game is. Yeah, well, because for... go ahead. Where's he ranked now in would... points? I might be able to find that you with relative find that for you with relative speed if I had both hands available to me. But if I'm looking it up one handed, that's just going to take way too long. How many games has Michael Brantley played? Fifty seven. Okay, I'll tell you in just a second. And I, I mean, I feel like he's just not giving you enough homers or steals. He's not really right. standing out, and he he's got the potential. He's batting three oh six now, so Brand, I don't, I'm not ready to. I'm really not ready yet. But, no. but another couple of weeks, I think you know, if he's not, if he doesn't turn it around, I, I think see the weeks where he's been healthy, he has been a, probably a top thirty six outfielder. I mean, just a guy. He's 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 replaceable. Like he's not the reason you keep from. You know, making a trade where he's involved. It's not like, oh, I have to hold on to Michael Brantley. I can't sell low on him. He's not, you know, the reason you're, that's stopping you from upgrading in the outfield. You can upgrade from him, but, you know, he's not, he's not anything that special. 2.96 fantasy points per game for Michael Brantley. That's not good. Let's give him 72 games, uh, cause a lot of players have played about that. Then he would be at, He'd be less than Josh Reddick in a points game, but right around Matt Holiday, Josh Reddick, Chris Owings. Uh, that's so that's, good. yeah, that's outside the top 30 for sure. And eh, probably around, probably around 30th or something. Okay. Uh, next player, Evan Longoria. Is he just the guy? Even though he's the number seven, uh, third baseman in points leagues, number 13 in Roto. Evan Longoria. Yes. Cause we already talked about the fact that the reason he's number seven in points league is because he has so many more plate appearances than most of the guys behind him. Okay. And now I will say for Longoria, you asked me what the hot streak was. I don't have the numbers, but seven straight weeks, seven straight weeks between 18 and 24 points. That's really good. Really consistent production and no bad weeks. So that surprised me. I also missed the hot streak. And, and <laughs> yeah, the Rays oh, aren't yeah. bad. I, I had no idea. You know, the Rays aren't bad. They score runs. They're not, they're not bad, but all right. You say, Evan Longoria is just a guy. How about Jason Kipnis? Is he just a guy? He might be less than a guy, actually. Not that second base is this super crowded position, but I've seen him dropped in a couple of my shallower leagues. And and being in a position where I felt pretty good about my second baseman, I, I had no incentive to add Kipnis. I didn't feel like he had enough value for me to pick him up as a bench option in the hope of trading him later. He's... He's like uh, Dustin Pedroia, or not, that's not a good comparison, but you know, like Jed Lowry. I don't, I don't know that Jason Kipnis is significantly more valuable in fantasy than Jed Lowry. Okay, I, what if I told you that Kipnis, after you know, he started the season on the DL, first 19 games he was terrible, 155 with two walks and 20 strikeouts. Since then, 38 games he has an 855 OPS. But, but that's encouraging. Most of that was like you, you cut that in half. He had a really hot streak, and he's cooled off considerably since then. But yeah. not terrible. I, yeah, the hot streak had me thinking I was wrong, but then he cooled off again, and it's just like I've got him at the Kinsler range. Year. It's a borderline top twelve second baseman. How about Matt Carpenter? Is Matt Carpenter in a categories league? Okay, points or even an OBP league, he's excelling there, but. If you don't get points for walks or any credit for walks, is Matt Carpenter just the guy? I don't think so. Okay. I think he's – I mean, you have it in here in the notes, 249 Babbitt. He does have a high fly ball rate, which you also put in there. But there's correction coming with that. And the walks, especially since he bats high in the lineup, they still make a difference in terms of runs scored. I expect him to be a plus contributor in – Three categories, and and maybe he does get that batting average up to a point where he's doing more good than harm there as well. I'm not sure how much batting average is going to come up, but if he keeps hitting like he is, because he's up to a 50% fly ball rate, but he's got a 43% hard contact rate. If he keeps doing those two things, he's going to be amongst the he should be amongst the league leaders in home runs the rest of the way. All right, that's Matt Carpenter, and that that you know we don't know necessarily what a well, you guys know. Listeners may not know what a good hard contact rate. What is a good hard contact rate? If you're over 33%, that's pretty great. And what do now you say it's, Carpenter's was? It's 43. Yeah. Way over. It's outstanding. He's only yeah. only a 12% soft contact rate, which we were talking earlier about Todd Frazier. 
and how his contact rate still looked about the same as it did last year when he hit, what, 40 home runs? Yeah. And his hard contact rate was right around 31%, and his soft contact rate is 24%. So Carpenter gets half as much soft contact. He hits 50% of his contact in five balls, and he's got a 44% hard contact rate. He should have 25 home runs. Three, two, one, contact. What was that? that? No. PBS. No. No. No? Now you made that up. And you you totally just... Blew past my Rusty Shackleford reference. I don't. I'm watching I, different TV from you guys. Apparently, what is no Rusty Shackleford? Rusty Shackleford. What is that? That was uh, Dale Gribble's alias on on King of the Hill. Nope. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That's Anytime a pretty good he reference. Anytime he didn't want, you know, like the government intervening on something, <laughs> he'd use the name Rusty Shackleford. Yeah, That's I stopped reference. watching cartoons before that show started. Wow. Well, you're missing out. Uh, all right, uh, we are done with the Jag Alert. I'll tell you what's not just another restaurant, not a jar. Buffalo Wild Wings is a great place to watch sports. Whoever invented summer was obviously a sports fan, didn't even try to hide it. Playoff hockey, playoff basketball, the opening of both soccer and baseball. It's a clear display of favoritism. The other seasons didn't stand a chance. With three months of clutch playoff drama and the awakening of new seasons. It's clearly the work of a sports fan. They might as well have called it sports season. In fact, the Buffalo Wild Wings, they do call it sports season. Don't ever call it summer. That's not what it is. It's sports season. They're just waiting on the legal change. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Time for the drop-o-meter. Let's do this quickly here. Zero to ten. Odubel Herrera. That's not quickly at all. Uh... Five? Five hundred? Or just five? Drop a meter? I'm just gonna say five. I'm gonna say seven. Yeah. Odubel Herrera, I didn't even look at Roto. He's the number 76 outfielder in points leagues. Uh, so there's that. But he does have five steals. <laughs> um, Mitch Hanniger. <laughs> Mitch Hanniger. He's pretty good in June. People want to know about Mitch Hanniger. Uh, drop a meter on Hanniger. I mean, I'll give it like a four. I don't think it's... I I think it's worth starting to think about because the strikeout rate has been high all along. The BABIP, I think, is still close to like 370, 380. 389. Oh, even higher. Um, so, and I was a little worried about this. I'm, I'm always a little worried when the guy who's just beginning to discover all he can be, I'm kind of worried about it for Chase Anderson, actually, uh, when he's just in that process and then he suffers a long-term injury, how quickly he's going to gain it back, particularly in the case of an oblique, and and Hanniger has such a... uh, He swings so hard. Uh, I just wonder if he's being a little tentative up there, too. So between that and the high strikeout rate, I am not super confident that we'll get back to seeing the guy we saw in April, but it's it's still... It's not enough of this yet for me to pull the plug. Okay. That was Scott doing this quickly. Yeah, it was quick. Well, Hanniger was <laughs> sorry. Hanniger was Hanager's an interesting close one. To my heart. Four. I know that. Four. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Michael Conforto. Oh, I really don't want to. Three. Two. Uh, I'll go four. In, in, unless it's a ten-team league, I'm not even considering it with Conforto. Uh, Tulowitzki. Twelve. <laughs> Uh, you know, probably like a 10, but then if I'm the Trey Turner owner, that's who I'd be looking to pick up. Yeah, eight. Ian Happ, 71% owned. Two good weeks in a row, but now he's four for his last 23 with no walks and nine strikeouts. Ian Happ. No. Two. <sighs> yeah, I just got to the point where I was adding him again. I, I don't know. He's still, I think there will be a lot of adding and dropping of Happ. I'll give it a five. Franklin Barreto, 48% owned. He is 4 for 21 with 2 walks and 10 strikeouts. 9. I think it's way too early if to just rule him out from living up to the upside. I'll give it a 5. Yeah, I mean, it's like you got to look at what Alex Bregman did last year, right? He was terrible for about a month, and then he was really good. I don't think Barreto has a month. Well, that that could be a problem. He, he's going to be the athletics, an everyday player uh, for... Most of the rest of the season, they're going to trade Lowry. I'm fairly confident. And uh, this, I, the way Susan Slusser, uh, one of the A's beat writers, put it when they called up Barreto was the plan all along was to call him up in August after the trade deadline. Right. They're just having to do it a little earlier. 
But I think he's going to go back down as soon as Simeon's ready, and then he'll come back in August. Right. I don't think you have to hold him for that whole month that he's down. Depends how much you need a shortstop. Wilson Ramos in a one-catcher league. He's one for nine with a walk and a strike. Zero. Zero. Ooh. Mm. That seems. Um, the only catchers I think I'm really preserving on any level, like, I, I, the only players I assign any, the only catchers I assign any value to at all are Sanchez Posey and Perez. <laughs> and anyone else is expendable. So, but Ramos was the number three catcher last year. He obviously has upside. The thing, my thing is, I don't give a crap about one for nine. Yeah. That's like, fair. it's one for nine. We were just saying a week I, and a half ago he could be a top five catcher. He could be. He could be. But, like, I'm not betting on it, you know? If if I need to make a move, Ramos is somebody I feel like... But do you think his my, one for nine is he's anything he's my second rostered catcher, no, it doesn't mean anything at all. All right. And that's... I gave it a four, so, you know, I'm not dropping him everywhere. I just think he's expendable. Okay, all right. And uh, here's a... We're going to finish the show with two-star pitchers, as we always do. New category. It's called Take That, Max Scherzer. And Clayton Kershaw is the guy we're talking about here. He threw seven scoreless innings with two walks and 12, 12 strikeouts at the Angels. Kershaw is the number one starting pitcher in points leagues, number two in Roto. Scherzer is number three in points, number one in Roto. The difference is Kershaw's 12 and two. Scherzer's nine and five. Everything else favors Scherzer. Uh, better whip, more strikeouts, about the same amount of innings. But yep. take well, that, it Scherzer. It makes perfect sense that Kershaw would be better in the points formats then. Because <laughs> getting Man, the wins. Stupid. Stupidest stats in sports. Wins? What's the stupidest stat? Wins? Stats. Wins? wins and losses. Wins and losses. Like, the the wins thing really bugs me, but taking points away when my pitcher loses and pitches well, oh, yeah. that well, is, the, is so awful. The Scherzer game at the Marlins last week was yes. yeah, the shining example. Zero earned runs over eight innings, and he gets a loss. <laughs> and he ah. almost threw a no-hitter. We should move on. I'm about to go Nando. Uh, get, oh, no, don't do that. Uh, we don't have time for the prospects, but Scott, if you want to just name the five prospects. Sure. Uh, the five minor leaguers who are being stashed, who, who should be stashed the most are Ahmed Rosario, uh, Yon Moncada, Kyle Schwarber, Derek Fisher, and I think Clint Frazier. That, that awful injury to Dustin Fowler yesterday just made me so sad last night. Major League debut in the lineup, and he's being carted off the field before he even gets in a bat. Is done yeah, for probably a full calendar year. Um, but that clears a spot for Clint Frazier all of a sudden, who is the better prospect anyway. So yeah, he's uh, he's in my top five now. Atlanta DFA'd Bartolo Colon, Corey Seager returned, Miguel and Miguel Andu and Duhar. Um, was sent down by the Yankees, but that was so he can play third base every day. So that might be someone who comes back up at some point. Uh, but oh, the Yankees sorry. lineup is not very good right now. So next week, you might not want to shy away from your pitchers who are at Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, cause I don't know if Castro will be back or Holiday. They've got, they've got garbage after. They're like still the judging four. Sanchez, I mean. And Gardner, yeah. but yeah, I mean, and Didi. So the first four are pretty good and then it's bad. Uh, Wellington Castillo appears to be fine. He's day to day. Charlie Borden could come back this weekend, and let's get to the two start pitchers. Yeah, we didn't get to everything, but you know what? It was a, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good job by you, you two today. We I got feel good about how I've done one handed. But did. you know, I'm you know the way you said it was going to be our best show ever. I hope there'd be more serial talk. I love the serial talk. You know what? You just gotta you just gotta join us for the Monday mailbag because we oh, will okay. have I'll serial talk for you. Uh, that I have a buy or sell about Cookie Crisp. So you know that Cookie Crisp TV is not reference. Yeah. What did you say, Scott? Yes, that was Which, Friends. He, he tried okay. to give a Friends reference. Right, what, did, what did he you say? You need to sing it next time. What did you say? It doesn't matter. All right, fine. I wanted to hear the Cookie. reference. I, I try to find good starting pitcher matchups in one start weeks, and I don't really think there's much. There's Josh Tomlin and Nick Pavetta face San Diego, but San Diego's been hitting the ball a little bit better lately. Dan Straley's facing San Francisco. You, you should start him. And yep. Yolish Shasin is facing Philadelphia. If this were at home, I think you probably would start him, but he's been bad on the road, so I don't know. Yolish Shasin at Philadelphia. 
So let's get to the uh, the two start guys. And how about there was one that was particularly interesting. Well, um, Masahiro Tanaka has Toronto and Milwaukee at home, and Stephen Matz has Washington and St. Louis on the road. Do you feel comfortable with either Tanaka or Matz? Yes, I'm going to start them both. I don't feel comfortable with Tanaka. I don't feel comfortable okay. with Matz at Washington. In Toronto. Are we scared of Toronto's again? I'm scared of Tanaka, period. Oh, okay. Yeah, two good in a row, three or four. I feel fine about him. How about Jay Happ at the Yankees and home against Houston? And this is this is where it's important to keep in mind how many players the Yankees are missing. But Jay Happ at the Yankees and home against Houston. He's been so reliable. I feel very good about starting him. I'd put him below Tanaka, but I'd probably start him in the points league. There are a ton of games next week, so a lot of two-star pitchers. Good. Uh, Rick Porcello is one of them at Texas at Tampa. I'm starting him. In a points league, but probably not in categories. I think those days are over. Uh-huh. It's a categories league option. Just so many hits allowed. Such a high whip. Would you rather not start Rick, Rick Porcello or Trevor Bauer? Bauer has San Diego at home and Detroit at home. Porcello easily. I think I'd rather start Bauer. Uh, there have been, he made some arsenal changes. The, uh, the, the Indians pitching coach, coach sat down with the entire staff at the end of May and reviewed what it is they need to start doing more of with their pitches, doing less of. And both Bauer and Corey Kluber's case, it was throw the breaking ball more. And it's led to much better results for both. Obviously, Kluber. It's, uh, it's more obvious how good the results have been. But Bauer, has like a 388 ERA and one three whip since then. A lot more ground balls, so he's he's pretty uh he's pretty usable. All right, and I went. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not buying into Trevor Bauer. All right, um, I'm gonna sit this guy. You might yell at me. Sean Newcomb might have the two toughest matchups in baseball, other than at Colorado, Houston at home, at Washington. Sean Newcomb. I'm not gonna yell at you. Those are tough matchups from a largely unproven pitcher. I'm going to start him. I think he's he's certainly higher priority than like Rick Porcello for me and also Trevor Bauer. Yep. I'd even start him over Hap. Okay. Do you have the matchups in front of you? Nope. I do. All right, let's do it. Heath, get the matchups so we can do start or sit. John Lackey, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Start. Yep. Jeff Hoffman, Cincinnati and the White Sox at home. Two home starts. No, sit. you can't start. Sit starts. at home. Adam Wainwright, Miami and the Mets at home. Actually, you might want to roll with him. He's good at home. Two years Start. in a row. Start. Uh, Wayno. He scares me more than Bauer does. I think I would sit him, except maybe in a points league where I felt like I needed that extra start. That's Adam Wainwright. Now let's talk about some pitchers you might be able to pick up. Hyunjin Ryu, Kyle Freeland, Joe Ross. Who, yeah, back pretty good. Four star. Oh, get four Joe five. Ross again. Yeah. <laughs> Mets and Braves. Didn't, was there, was there a, I'm never doing that again about Joe Ross, Scott, from you? From me? Uh, I don't I thought when the that. Scott Blewett card came out on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're doing it this week, right? I don't know exactly what it was that I was never doing again. Probably. I think I called him the week's top sleeper. I don't know that I'm going to call him this week's top two-start sleeper. Well, Ross, yeah, Ross has been pitching better, and he's got the Mets and the Braves, so I'm starting him. Yeah, Must yeah, start. I'd start him too. Would you start Ryu against Arizona and Kansas City? I would not. Would you start Urena at St. Louis and at San Francisco? No. At St. Louis and at San Francisco? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good – over Ryu, yes. I don't understand how Arena has been so reliable because the strikeouts are very low. The ground ball rate is very low. It does play in a big home park, I guess. We do have to do this but, a little bit more quickly, guys. I'm sorry. Ian Kennedy at Seattle at the Dodgers. Sorry, I offered some analysis. No, um, but over you. I don't. I don't. I sorry. I didn't hear it. We'll just go with Heath's answer. Okay, uh, Daniel Norris. You can't start Daniel Norris. He's been terrible. Carlos Rodon at Oakland, but also at Colorado. No chance. Yeah. Um, over you, but probably no one else. 
Alex Meyer is 34% owned at Minnesota and at Texas. I don't think so. Probably not. The possibly underrated Luis Perdomo at Cleveland and at Philadelphia. Not mm. with both on the road. Yeah, I'm not getting the Perdomo love either. Well, he's only 23% owned. I just think he's been pretty good other than three starts this year, I believe. And I think they've been like at Arizona, at Colorado. He's, he's... Well, I know I've heard Chris talking about liking him before. And maybe even Heath, too. Have you ever said that, Heath? I don't think I've said that I liked him. I, okay. I mean, he's been better than Denelson Lamette this year. but I would disagree with that a thousand percent. Okay, that's Luis Perdomo. Uh, Blake Snell, we got to sit him at the Cubs and home against Boston. I don't really know there's anyone here, but David Paulino at Atlanta and at Toronto. Um, yep. Luis Castillo, someone you might, you're sitting Paulino, right? You're not starting him. Yeah, sit him. Luis Castillo, you probably want to pick up, but stash at Colorado and at Arizona this week. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's a little scary. The a only, lot scary. The only picture that's start. sorry, the only picture that's been pitching well lately here at, in this bottom part of the list is Adalberto Mejia has a 117 ERA in his last three starts. He gets the Angels and the Orioles at home. No, want to do that? Want to do that? Nope. They've been short starts and not a lot, not great with the dominant stats. So, no chance. All right, guys, we are done. We're doing a mailbag in just a little bit, and you'll hear that on Monday. Everybody, please have yourselves a great 4th of July. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday with the mailbag, off Tuesday, back Wednesday, where we talk about the big relief pitcher trade. We can't wait. Scott and Heath, have a great weekend. Same to all you out there. Uh, I should stop talking now. Bye. See ya.